Good morning. Welcome to the talk. Welcome to the talk. Okay, so this month's theme is a world that works for everyone, right? Well, yeah, okay, a world that works for everyone. Okay, and so today's talk title is I Make a Difference. Say that. I make a difference. Say it again. I make a difference. One more time. I make a difference. Fabulous. Okay, now turn to somebody alongside of you and say, you make a difference. Okay, come on. I want to hear it with some conviction. You make a difference. I want you to take these cards and I want you to give them out. Um, two, two cards per person. One to give out, one to keep for yourself, one to give to someone who makes a difference in your life. You got it? Got it? Okay, say it again. You make a difference. You make a difference. Oh, say it with conviction. You make a difference. All right. Yeah, go do it. Go do that thing. Okay. Say it, say it for yourself. I make a difference. Thank you. I make a difference. One more time, all together. I make a difference. Absolutely, you do. You do make a difference. And now I'm going to tell you something else about that. Actions are not the first step in making a difference, are they? Thank you. I love the interaction stuff. As a matter of fact, action is always the last step. Action is always the final step in the chain of manifestation. The consciousness of anything always precedes its manifestation, yes? Always. The consciousness of anything always precedes its manifestation. We must know in mind before we can demonstrate in form, right? We must know in mind before we can demonstrate in form. Ernest Holmes said this, this is the one all-important point in demonstrating the science of mind. It means that all prayer is self-prayer. If spirit is already willing and the law must obey, it logically follows that the demonstration must first take place in mind of the one giving the prayer. Does that make sense? So before we do something, we have to know something, right? We have to do our personal work. We have to do our affirmative prayer. We have to do our meditation. We have to do our visioning. We have to do our affirmations. Am I forgetting anything? Visioning, um, Sufi dancing, walking in nature, whatever it is that, it, that, whatever it is you do where you are open and available to the sm still small voice, you must do that. That has to be part of your spiritual practice. You know, when we're sitting in meditation and we're listening really for nothing, or music. <laughs> but we're, we're listening for the still small voice, right? With no agenda, with no, you know, purpose other than sitting in meditation. When you're sitting in meditation, you remember the teaching symbol? Is it up there? No, it's not, okay. Um, but the teaching symbol, you know, the big V in the circle, you know, you've seen that thing, right? The middle part, it's separated in top, middle, bottom right? When you are sitting in meditation, you're in the middle. You're in the middle part. Oh, thank you. 
Yay, there you go. See what those two lines are? When you are sitting in meditation, you are the receptive mind. You are the universal receptive mind. You are receptive to what spirit is downloading into you, right? So when you are in meditation, that's where you are. You're hanging in that universal subjective mind and just listening for absolutely nothing, whatever. Something happens, nothing happens, it's okay. Your meditation practice is the practice. That's what it's for. It's to practice. It's like going to the gym, right? You don't go to the gym and work out on the machine once and go, well, that's it for me, I'm in shape. The rest of my life, I'm good, I'm golden. You have to do it every day or three times a week or whatever. You have to keep doing it, going back to it. So that's what your meditation practice is. It's about being in that universal subjective where you are subject to that still small voice of spirit so that you can hear, you can listen, you can understand what's being said to you. Now, when you do affirmative prayer, where are you? You're in the top part. You are speaking the word of God. You are first cause. You are the seed that's being planted. You are speaking your word into the universal subjective mind, which then goes to work out picturing automatically what you put into it. That's the difference, and that's why we do both. Meditation and prayer. Meditation to hear the still small voice, prayer to speak your own word into the law and change conditions around you. Because we have to be clear about what we want to demonstrate, yes? Otherwise, what is it? You're living Murphy's Law. You know, when you're, right? when you're not clear about what you want, when you're not clear, when you're just going through life, la, 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 you know, stuff happens. <laughs> I am really good. Anyway. And that's the way we live our lives because we have not demonstrated that we can command the law. Right? We have not demonstrated that we can command the law. So we have to be clear about what it is we want to manifest in our lives before we can start manifesting what it is we want in our lives. Meditation helps get that clarity. Prayer helps direct the law to, manu to, to manifest that clarity. And we have to be clear about what we want to manifest if we're going to live a life on purpose, if we're going to live an authentic life, if we're going to live the life of, that Spirit has in mind for us. We have to know what that is. We have to be clear about what we want to demonstrate. Everybody has a gift to share. Each and every one of us, more than one. I mean, you're not just issued one gift, you know, when you get here. Here, here it is. Go do it, you know. We all, we all have gifts to share. And, and, it, and that's really, that's our purpose, isn't it? To, to be that thing in the world. And then, and then it's something else. And then it's something else. You know, you can do something that nobody else can do because nobody else can do it your way. Nobody else can do it your way. So there are things that you can do that nobody else can do. What sparks your passion? What lights you up when you start talking about it? You know, there's always that thing that you get all emotional about and all passionate about. Do that. Do that. And you know, a lot of times that's not what you do for a living. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. Those things that light you up when you talk about them, that may be the thing that you go home and you research after you've worked a full day, right? It may not be what you're doing for a living, but that's okay. There's still time in the day to do that also, isn't there? Okay, who's still writing that book? Uh-huh, I gotcha. Okay, you're still writing that book. Who's still painting that picture, right? 
Who's still thinking that service project that they know would be a benefit to the community and they haven't done it yet, right? Who knows a better way to do something but you haven't done it yet, right? You haven't written it out yet. These things need not be lifetime commitments. They're things that you're passionate about doing right now. They may be the thing right in front of you that needs being done by you right now. And then there's something else, and then there's something else. That's living a life on purpose. That's making a difference. Gandhi said this. He said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Right? And so maybe that's it. Because what we know is the more you give, the more you have, right? Yes? The more you give, the more you have. Making a difference in our lives, making a difference is about what we give. It's really not about what we get from the world, but it's about what we give. When we're making a difference in the world, it's about our giving. Making a difference is what we bring to something. You know, it's not what we can get from it, although giving does get us a lot, right? It does. It just provides that happiness. It provides that, that um, satisfaction. Just like we're celebrating professional practitioners today, yes? Raise your hands, professional practitioners. Yay! <laughs> we are celebrating these wonderful, glorious people who are living their calling. They have found that, that part, of their, part of their essence is to serve the world through prayer. And that's amazing because we know that prayer changes things, right? Because it's written on the wall. <laughs> We know, we know that prayer changes things because prayer changes us. And these beautiful, talented, and wonderful, dedicated, and committed people who have got sought and, and got licenses to do this worldwide are holding the light for all of us. That's giving and serving. And what we know is they get back so much by just being in prayer for others. So they, they exemplify giving and service in the world, right? Because, we, look, we all want certain things. Right? We all want love, happiness, success, whatever success looks like. We all want a roof over our heads and food on the table. We all want the same thing. And, and yet, life is really all about the giving of it. It's not about the getting, it's about the giving. And I love that. And it's in the giving that we get. It is in the giving that we get. Uh, the, the prayer of St. Francis, right? Make me an instrument of your peace. And we're all familiar with that. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, harmony. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. That's our path throughout life. And you know, here's the interesting thing. We give all the time, right? Think about your life. We give all the time. We're just not awake to it all the time. We give our attention. When we listen to others, we give our hearts when we love unconditionally. 
we give of our time, which is more valuable than anything else we have. We give these things all the time to each other. And it's almost like we don't recognize it for the value that it is, right? A lot of those things, your time, your attention, your unconditional love, they don't cost dollars, and yet they're priceless, right? They're priceless just to spend time with a a friend. You know, there was a study done in the University of um, British Columbia. I don't, shoot, I don't have the researcher's name here. But but what, what they found out was that interacting with strangers on a bus, on a subway, on an elevator, wherever it is, interacting with strangers can lift our, our mood, can lift our spirits, makes us happier, increases the level of happiness in our lives. Just eye contact in a public place, just eye contact with a stranger can elevate our mood, can lift our mood. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Random encounters with minor players in your life can boost your happiness level. Right? The dry cleaner, the, the retail clerk, just, just an interaction, a casual interaction. How cool is that? And we can come away being happier. Hmm. A happy life is made up of a high frequency of those little tiny moments of interaction that we have all the time, but we don't even realize it. So this study, this study about how interactions can lift our mood, um, they then began to wonder, so why do we avoid them? <laughs> because there seems to be really this kind of opposite thing going on. People don't make eye contact with I thought it was just New York, but it happens all over the place. Don't make eye contact with anybody. You know, whatever you do, right? You get into the elevator. What is the first thing you do? Whip out your cell phone. Right? You whip out your cell phone. No eye contact. No nothing. And, and the fact is, we're social animals. So why do we avoid doing the very thing that makes us happy? Because we are social animals. It seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? <laughs> and of course it is. Because it's the one thing that makes us feel better, and it's the one thing we don't do. Hmm. And so, of course, it comes down to fear, right? You know, like the Course in Miracles says, there's only love and fear. Okay, so if it's not love, what is it? It's fear. It's fear that keeps us small. It's fear that keeps us, like, in our own little, you know, la, 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 la. I'll just stand here and look at my phone, look down at my shoes, look at, push the button, push the button, push the button. Right? (laughs) You know, when even something as small as just the eye contact and a smile with the person on the elevator can lift the, the mood of both of us, we, we, we avoid it, right? And I think that it is that fear, that level of fear, you know? Um, we won't be accepted, or fear of other, or, or fear that it's not safe. It's not safe. This could be a crazy person standing next to me. We have that fear, right? Or this could lead to, like, trouble or whatever. But, but making a difference in a life is going beyond that. It's going beyond that self-imposed limitation that we place on ourselves and being bigger, you know? Because what holds us back is the fear. It's what really, that's what does it. Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, I love it. He said, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, 
to have it made some difference that you lived and that you lived well. So making a difference is not about um, changing other people. It's just changing, about, changing how we are in, in the group, right? And it's changing our focus from self to other. Because when we are concerned more with others than ourselves, we're getting that bigger picture. We are seeing things. You know, Ernest Holmes said um, in his sermon by the sea, he said, wait, I'm going to get there. He said, show me some, someone who is for something and against nothing, right? And I will show you the next savior. Anyway, what he, what, he didn't mean anything goes, <laughs> you know, like, well, for something and against nothing. Woo, we're against nothing. We're going to do it all. He didn't really mean that. What he meant was to be for something, not against things. It means we stop focusing on what we hate. We stop focusing on what we don't want. We stop having protests against things. We stop fighting against things. But we are to put all of our energy into what we desire. We are to put all of our attention, all of our focus, all of our energy, right, on our desires, on our ideals, on the highest vision that we can hold for the world. That's what he meant, to be for something and against nothing. Regardless of your political leanings, I think we can all agree right now that this idea of a world that works for everyone is not working for everyone. It sure doesn't look like it's working for everyone from where I'm looking, right? We have poverty. We have, you know, asylum seekers jailed. We have mass shootings. God only knows there was two just last weekend. Kids in cages and inequality, income inequality and racism and misogyny. I could go on, but those are all the things we don't want, right? Those are all the things that we don't want, but they're the things that keep getting our attention over and over and over and over again. All the stuff we don't want. And we're paying attention. And by paying, I mean that's where our energy is going. We're paying with our energy. Attention to all those things we don't want. So wouldn't it be better if we put it towards stuff we do want, right? Like I said, it, it looks like it, it doesn't look like a world that's working for everyone right now where I am. But by concentrating on the problems, then you're doing exactly what Ernest Holmes said not to do, right? He said, if I can find a group of people, let me get it, the right quote. <clears throat> find me one person who is for something and against nothing, who is redeemed enough not to condemn others out of the burden of his soul, and I will find you another savior, another Jesus, another exalted human being. That's what we're here to do. That's who we are here to be. That exalted human being, that person who is for something and against nothing. Ernest Holmes is telling us what to focus on, the highest vision for our life, not what to fight against but to keep holding the highest vision for our lives. If we're going to make a difference, we're going to make a difference in the direction of our dreams. Be for something and against nothing. Be for something and not against things. And each one of us can make a difference, first and foremost, in prayer. First and foremost, most powerful place you can find yourself. Ernest Holmes said, Prayer is the most powerful place you can find yourself. When I cite that one, I will be a happy girl. I'll be able to retire. I still haven't been able to cite it, but I know he said it. <laughs> and Gandhi said that, that 
uh, prayer, when properly understood, what he said, is not, a, is not an idle pastime for old women. When properly understood, prayer is the most powerful force on earth. I believe that. I believe that. So if we are to make a difference, we make a difference in the direction of our, our dreams, not be, by being against anything. And we make that difference first in prayer, right? First in prayer. We hold the highest and best vision. We accept nothing less than the highest and best vision. Uh, Emma Curtis Hopkins in her 12 lessons, that's what she was all about. She was an absolutist teaching. Do not let anything else enter your mind except your highest and best. Right? Do not let anything else enter your mind except your highest and best vision for your life, for your love, for the world, for your job, for, for your passion, whatever it is. And we can make a difference. We can make a difference with a smile. We can make a difference with a phone call. We can make a difference by sitting and listening to someone, actively listening to them in their lives. We can make a difference by writing a letter. Right? We can make a difference by calling a congressman. And if your congressman's doing everything you love, call somebody else's congressman. <laughs> it's okay. You can call any of them anywhere in the country, right? Make a difference. Right? We make a difference all the time. Every time we sit with someone and just share our stories or listen to someone else sharing their story, right? We're making a difference. Who is smiling today because they, they re remembered a joke you told them? Right? Think about it. Who, who is remembering a talk that you had with them that changed the trajectory of their life? Who's enjoying the flowers you bought for them just because? Right? Who's, who's, who's thinking about the, the morning coffee you had with a friend and how grateful they were that you spent that time with them? Right? Who's grateful for the groceries you, you helped carry up the stairs? Who's remembering the, the get well card that you sent? Making a difference doesn't bankrupt us. It can cost nothing but the most precious thing we have, our time. Our time. How best do we use our time? That's how we make a difference. I want to end with this Franciscan benediction. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that we may live from deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice and oppression and exploitation of God's creatures so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war so that we may reach out our hands and comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless us with just enough foolishness to believe we can make a difference in the world so that we can do <laughs> what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all of our children and all of our neighbors in need. Amen. <laughs>